0: This morning we're going to finish up our look into a basic theology of the Holy Spirit. This is parts two and three of this sermon series called "Led by the Spirit." Pastor TJ's preached the first the uh, the first part. He's going to preach next week uh, the fourth part, and I think the final part as well. Um, but this has been the last two weeks has been a theology. It was originally going to be one Sunday. I had other things planned for this Sunday, but but there was just so much, and I didn't want to I didn't want to go too fast. Like I'm going to go this morning. Um, but remember, a theology is not the Boring, dried-up word that's, you know, the boring thing that pastors and ministers study in seminary. Theology is a system of our beliefs. And it is important for all believers, not just ministers, to study it, to understand it, to know it. Um, good Good or bad, what we believe, our theology, affects our daily lives. Good theology will lead us to good and effective godly lives, but bad theology will not. So that's why theology is important, whether you're a construction worker, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a worship leader... Whether you're a cashier at Walmart, it doesn't matter what you are, theology for a Christian is essential. So, theology about, about a member of the Godhead, theology about uh, 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 the Holy Spirit, I mean, my goodness, we're not just talking about some obscure doctrine or anything, this is the Holy Spirit. And we talked about one of the, one of the important things, we talked about who he is last week. We said, number one, he is a person, not a thing or an it. He is God, and that's, I mean, goodness, that's it. That's the the, the big crux of the whole thing. He is eternal and holy, number three. Number four, he has his own mind and prays for us. Number five, he has emotions, and we need to know that because we don't want to grieve him. We want to not just please him, but we want to bring him joy. He does feel these things just like you and I do. He feels them. And so we need to know that he has these feelings. He has these emotions. He has his own, wills, will, his own desires and will, number six. Number seven, he is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. In other words, the Holy Spirit is all-powerful, present everywhere, and all-knowing. We need to know these things. And I, I, last week, I brought all these scriptures up to it, it support all these things, and we talked so much more. We're not going to go through all that this morning. If you did miss it, please get online. Order a CD, get online, listen to it. We have the, uh, the notes are up there, the, the audio is up there for you to listen to as well. Um, I encourage you to do that because um, we don't have time to go over that some more. These seven attributes, these seven attributes that we just talked about, who the Holy Spirit is, can be applied to God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ. He is not just some mystical, mysterious thing that completes the Trinity. He is a vital and valid member of the Godhead. If you walk away with just one thing this morning and even just this whole series it would be this, that I want you to get this in. We must, we need to know the Holy Spirit just as much as we need to know Jesus and the Father. I, I said it a couple few times last week and I, I'm telling you that's just, that's the crux. I'm going to talk about some more things about what He does, but if we need to know Him. Because if we know Him, He will show us what He does. If we know Him, He will reveal to us, hey, you really do need me. Not me, the Holy Spirit. You really do need me in your life to guide you, to lead you, protect you, to teach you. We're going to talk some more about that later. We need to know the Holy Spirit as much as we need to know Jesus Christ and the Father. If you know him, everything else, everything else that we covered this morning, everything else that we covered the previous Sunday, the Sunday before that, and even the Sunday after this, all falls in line. We need to know him. The Holy Spirit, Francis Chan said, the Holy Spirit is as essential to a believer's existence as air is to staying alive. Think about that. I mean, you have to breathe, you need fresh air. And we talked about this last week as we closed it up last week. We talked about the fact that just like we need fresh air, we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We need him to fill us regularly. And then we see that in the, throughout the Bible. I mean, I didn't really cover a whole lot of that last week, and I'm not going to cover a whole lot of this week. But even as I was studying this week, I, I saw it ran across the scripture. I was like, oh, yeah. It says that, that the disciples, it, was, it wasn't even talking about one of the fillings of the Holy Spirit that we'll, we'll talk about later. Um, it, it, it just said that it, it just at the end of a chapter, it said, and they were all filled with, the joy, with joy and the Holy Ghost continually, continually. What do you mean? Acts chapter 2 wasn't enough? No. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. We need a freshness. A freshness. The early church in in, in Acts, they experienced this. We need to today as well. Now that we are getting to know Him or being filled regularly by Him, there are a number of things that should be a part of our lives as a result of knowing Him. As a result of that feeling, there are things that should be apparent in our lives to us and maybe even to others around us. These are the things the Holy Spirit does in and through us when we are filled with him, when he dwells within us. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts Acts is written by a a man named Luke. You may know his gospel, Luke. Um, And he's writing this, this, that first gospel was written to a... Theophilus, if I say that word right, name right, is written by, to a man named Theophilus. He also wrote the second letter. He says, So he says in verse 1 of chapter 1 in Acts, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, Jesus said, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we skip down to verse 8 and says, but you will receive the power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So Jesus said, wait, I've died on the cross, I've paid the debt of sin, I've saved you. And I'm about to say something, please don't shoot me down, please give me a chance. But Jesus is saying, it's not enough. I don't mean it's not enough that you're not saved, but it's not enough. To live the Christian life, Peter, James, John, you need something else. You need salvation. You need the pay the price that I paid, but you need something else. You need the promise of the Father, and I propose to you, Church, you need the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that filling of the Holy Spirit. And while I did last week say that the Holy Spirit was not simply some magical power that God has left us, it's not an it. It's not something that we wield at our own will and our own pleasure. But when we are filled with God's Spirit, just like Jesus said, He does give us power. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that He does in our lives and through our lives this morning. So what does the Holy Spirit do? And as we go through these nine points, let me say this. As we go through these nine points, I'm going to go fast. I'm probably going to, I, I, Well, i got okay time here. But we, uh, we're going to go, go fast. Some of the things, I'm going, to just, I'm going to hit them and I'm going to say real quick, read a scripture and just make a quick, quick comment. Some of them are going to take a lot of time. Folks... I'm covering nine things. There's so many more. There's so many more. I mean, like we said last week, I, this is not. I'm not even going to attempt to be exhaustive in a study in a theology of, of the Holy Spirit. He's God. We talked about that last week too. He's infinite. He's unsearchable. The Bible says in, in uh, Psalm 145 verse three says, "Greatest Lord and greatly to be praised, His greatness is unsearchable." It's not that He can't be sought. It's that He's so big that you'll never find them all, even in eternity. You'll never find them all. I, I, I honestly believe that. The Bible says that. In, in Revelation, it says that the, you know, the, the four creatures, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who, is, who was and is to come. We talked about this last week. And every time they say that, it says every time they say that, that the, the four and 20 elders that are around, around the throne, they drop to their knees, they, they bow, they cast down their crowns. We sang about this morning. They, and, and I believe it's because each time that the, the, the angels say, holy, 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 or those creatures, whatever they are, sing holy, holy, holy they see something new. They see a new facet. They see something they didn't see before. God is that great. And the Holy Spirit is God, and so he's that great. So these nine points don't even begin to touch. They just begin to touch on what the Holy Spirit and what he can do in our lives, through our lives. So I'm encouraging you, take notes if you can. I'm going to talk fast, but take notes if you can. Get the outline on the website if you, if you can't take notes or if you don't want to take notes. Study more at home. Study the outline Learn more. There's so much more. As I was reading this, I was thinking, "Wow, I could add like a, a tenth and eleventh and a twelfth point." My goodness, it's just so much. I even found a website when I was just poking around on, on online. Some guy wrote down fifty. So be grateful. I didn't say fifty because we'd be here till dinner time. So anyway, number one, what does the Holy Spirit do? Number one, he helps us speak. Now, I don't. One other footnote. This comes for free. Keep in mind that many of these nine things this morning can be done naturally to some degree. I mean, you all can speak, right? I don't mean like in that natural sense. We are talking about the supernatural power that the Holy Spirit imparts to each of us. This goes beyond our limited abilities. How many times do you run into a situation where you just you don't know what to say? You know, be it at work, be it uh, even at just a church or running into somebody and they've got like a burden. I'm telling you what, they, you know, cancer, husband's leaving them, something, you know, something horrible. And you're just, you weren't prepared. You didn't, you know, he didn't prepare. He <laughs> didn't prepare notes to respond to this. Oh, dear God. This is where the Holy Spirit steps in. Now, in. In other ways, too. Let's just look at a couple examples. Mark 11, or 13, rather. Mark 13, verse 11 says, When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. And in Luke in chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, it says, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, I'm not suggesting that any of you are going to end up before a court of law having to defend your faith. I pray God that that kind of persecution doesn't ever come. But if it does, or if it is just somebody that's come to you with a burden that's just, wow, overwhelming, what do you do? What do you say? The Holy Spirit will help you speak. He will give you in that hour that very moment, he will give you, and I'll tell you what, I've experienced this, folks. Probably many of you, if not every one of you, have experienced this. Maybe you have experienced this and you don't even realize it because the Holy Spirit is in you he's just working. He, he doesn't have to go, hey, uh, you know, Justin, I'm going to have to step in here and say something right now. Sometimes you just, a thought comes and you think, wow, that, gosh, I'm a genius all of a sudden. What in the world? Where did that come from? <laughs> hey, you know, maybe that was the Holy Spirit. Um, this, this occurs with our families at our work, school, wherever you f- find yourself. You find yourself in a difficult situation, especially when you're defending the faith or you're trying to share, you know, you're trying to share the gospel and you realize, hey, this is a tough person. This guy's he's an atheist. He just, he doesn't believe in God. He's, a, he's an ambivalent atheist. Oh, my goodness, what do I do? What do I say? Well, Holy Spirit will help you. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. If you trust him and learn to speak and learn to hear him speak to you he 'll speak to you. Number two, he guides, encourages, and teaches us, and reminds us of what we need to know psalm one forty three verse ten says, "Teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing in john fourteen sixteen through seventeen says, and I will ask, Fathers is Jesus talking to the disciples, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. We read that last week, I think in King James, it says another comforter. And that whole, remember that other, another, I'm going to throw this in there, this is for free. Um, another is, is another of, uh, help me here, same kind, that's it, that's it. A different number, but of the same kind. You know, different in number, but of the same kind. In other words... The Holy Spirit is God. He'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And if you jump down to verse 26 of chapter 14, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I have a pretty good memory Um I think naturally. I just do. I mean, I I memorize things. I I don't know if it's a photographic memory. I've never had that sort of thing tested. I have a pretty good memory. But when it comes to scripture, I mean, there's just so much. I mean, I don't have a Bible up here, but I mean, you've seen Bibles. They're they're either really, really thick, or if they're real small, the print is like even a person with like eagle eyes got to use a magnifying glass. There's just so much. And that's just the Bible. That's not even, that, the Bible doesn't even contain all the infiniteness that is God. And so he will teach us and remind us. I can't possibly, I, I can't. Maybe you can, maybe there's people that can. I can't memorize the Bible. And I will never be able to remember all of it at any given moment. But with the Holy Spirit, he'll teach me and he will remind me. I can't tell you how, what a wonderful and proven promise this is to me personally and I hope to you too, I do not have to try to be all-knowing. You don't. You know, the Bible, the Bible is just so full of rich truth, wisdom, help, principle, love, life, and He shares that with us. He reminds us when, when we need it, if we're filled with Him, if we allow Him to dwell, if we will listen to His voice, if we will let Him lead us. This is God's job, and he graciously and liberally shares his omniscience, his all-knowing with us. This does not give us, however, please don't take this as a license to not study the Bible, to not m- memorize even, you know, work, you know, get a little bit of elbow grease in your own and memorize some scriptures. Because, I mean, you hide the word. I mean, the, the Bible also says that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit's reminding me of. Hey, the Bible says to hide the word, the, thy word I've, I've hidden in heart, my heart, that I may not sin against you. It's in Psalms, I don't remember which chapter or verse. He didn't remind me of that part. So this does not give us a license to be lazy in our studying of God's Word or meditating in the Scriptures, hiding in our hearts, but it does bring us comfort that when we hide Him, when we hide Him, He can bring it up. We don't have to try to worry about, oh, goodness, there's just so much to remember. There's just so much. No, He'll remind us. He'll help us. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it's not going to be up on the screen, but it says that the Holy Spirit encourages And In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, and so many other places in the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit strengthening and guiding his people. And I want you to notice something. Uh, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but in Acts, Acts in the, in the Old Testament, we have lots of historical books. We have, what, you know, 1 Samuel, Second Samuel, 2 Samuel. 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles there's other historical books even some of the the, the first 5 books are historical in some senses like Numbers is very historical Um, in the New Testament we have one historical book and throughout it we see the the birth of the early church we see the workings of the early church and let me tell you something that all of that happened then is an example for us today it's not just boring dried up history uh, I like theology and I like history because of the richness, of the heritage and the foundation, the richness that it can afford me today. It's not just dried up information. It's not just old dead facts. It's for today. For today, folks. I mean, the wonderful, I mean, read Acts. I mean, I, was, I, I spent some time reading Acts, just Acts yesterday. And I was just, every, you know, I'd, I'd stop every once in a while and go do something else. And, and the whole time I'm thinking, it's like, wow, they did amazing things. I mean, I think even one place it says that they turned the world upside down. And they did think about it. I mean, the the way they calculate time has changed. The dates and all that sort of thing has changed. Uh, It it spread like like wildfire. The the gospel, the truth, the love of God spread. These people didn't do this on their own. They did that, and throughout the the, the Acts, it talks about how the Holy Spirit was working with them. I mean, that's one of the phrases in the King James, the Holy Spirit working with them. It was him working, and if that's the example that we have, folks, that's for us today, too. That wasn't just back in those 28 chapters. Hey, we're we're living in the 29th chapter today. Acts, if you don't know this, has one through 28 chapters. We are on that 29th. We are the continuation of all that works. So anyway, number three. The Holy Spirit gives us power to be God's witnesses. We saw that earlier in Acts chapter 1 where, you know, Jesus said, you know, wait for the promise of the Father. You'll be power to be witness to me, of me. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the power and boldness to proclaim the love and the truth of the gospel. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the disciples had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit filled them and they were able to speak the word of God with boldness. Were they not able to speak beforehand? No. But he endued them with power that they go forward. And it's no longer just words. It's no longer just their own ideas. It is the power of God that brings salvation. It is the power of God, not just our fancy words. And so we'll come back to that. We also see this a couple chapters earlier in Acts chapter 2. On the, Day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first came, that first infilling, that first, in filling, that, first in bapti- that first baptism, Peter gets up. Remember, Peter's the foot and mouth guy, constantly saying the wrong thing all the time. Oh, you know, I'd rather die than you know let them do that. And, and, I mean, even Jesus got fed up with it. Said, "Get behind me, Satan!" I mean, this man messed up all the time. I think I'm related to him. Um, but Peter, this is Peter now. This is the guy that messed up all the time. He gets up filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with power, and proclaims a gospel. And it was a good gospel, sure. But any one of you could have said the same things. But have any one of you seen 5,000 people saved? He did. Was it because Peter was so awesome? No, Peter was a foot-and-mouth guy. This is because he had the power of the Holy Spirit in him. He gives us power. Ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit who draws people to repentance, to salvation in Christ. It's not fancy preaching and it's not convincing debate. So let's look at John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. And he, Jesus is, again, talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He talked, in John, you want to read a good set of chapters where Jesus is kind of like prepping his disciples for what's to come. You know, he's, he's like, trying to hint to them, hey, I'm dying, okay, folks, I'm going to the cross, I'm not going to be in your, mo-. but when I'm not here, I'm going to give you the promise of the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, so Act uh, John, I keep saying Acts, because Acts is such an important book, isn't it, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, oh, you want to read something about the Holy Spirit, and about what, what, just the fullness of what we're left with here on earth, without Jesus, if you will, um, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Write it down. Read it. It's a wonderful place. But anyway, in John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11, Jesus says, And he, when he comes, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to a place of conviction before we're saved and even after. Let's move on. Number four, he gives us power to put to death sinful flesh. This is a lifelong and daily process. Jesus said if we follow him, we are to take up our crosses daily. Romans five, or Romans 8 verse 5 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful thing, things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your mind's So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. A few verses later, verse 12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your your sinful nature urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if you live by the power of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live. It is the Holy Spirit, folks. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to overcome little sins that we seemingly can, you know, overcome no big deal. But he also helps us overcome big sins that just seem to control us and we have no way of how do we get out of this muck and mire. He helps with those things. He helps us to put to death the flesh in its old ways, put on the new man in the spirit. He is greater and more powerful than all sin. He shares the power to overcome them with us. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, if that doesn't put it, he shares this power to overcome sin with us. I mean, that should put at least, at least a smirk, a little, a little grin on your face. Through Him, number five, through Him, through the Holy Spirit, we receive a spirit of adoption with the Father. Romans 8, verse 14 and 16. I like Romans too, by the way. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit which makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit makes us a member of his family, seals us. I think there's another place, maybe a King James that talks to He seals us into the family of God. We are accepted into his beloved family. As a result, we worship and serve God, not out of fear and slavery, but as a loved child of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And love and a sound mind. Number six, we're going to go real fast here. Number six, he brings us life and freedom. Romans eight eleven. There's Romans again. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who rise, raised Christ Jesus from the dead—that's the spirit of God—will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This life and freedom is liberty from the bondage of sin and the end result of sin, which is death. Now it sounds like real hope in a broken old world. That's real hope. Life and freedom. Life and freedom beyond what the world can promise, beyond what our Constitution says, beyond what the Declaration of Independence seems to imply. We have life, real life, real freedom that is only found by the Spirit of God. Number seven, he fills us with Hope. Hope. Romans fifteen verse thirteen says, "Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, not just have it, not just had it." That's one of the other things I was meaning to mention earlier. That the Holy Spirit gives us this thing that Jesus mentioned earlier, and, and one of the, I think it is in John. He talks about he wants us to have life and abundant, not just. Get a life, have a good life, good luck, but abundant, full, overflowing even. And this is what the, the same kind of word here, abound with hope. Abound in hope. I mean, you have so much that it overflows. And I'm not talking about a, com- a political campaign, you know. I'm talking about real hope. Again, it doesn't come naturally. It's supernatural. It comes by the Holy Spirit. And it even says that that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That, you, want, you want hope? You find yourself in a hopeless situation, folks? You find yourself in a situation where, you know, goodness, y- your marriage is falling apart, your kids are going crazy, you, you, whatever. You're, you're, you're in debt and the, the tax man coming. Whatever it is, you want hope. You want a way out. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you hope. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings you through those things. This is a tenth thing, if you will. His power will bring you through the muck and mire of life. His power will bring you through, as it says in the Old Testament, it says he'll bring you through the water and you'll not be drowned. He'll bring you through the fire and you will not be burned. You won't even smell like smoke. Uh, speaking figuratively, of course, don't please don't walk through fire. Please. With hope. And it says it here, I like that in verse verse 13 and 15. It says, the God of hope fill you with all joy. God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Hope brings joy and peace. Even in the midst of that insane debt that's weighing on your shoulders or that marriage that just seems like it's falling apart, there's joy and peace in the hope that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Number eight, this is, we're going to take a, a, few minutes, a few minutes to talk about this one. He gives us gifts. And I'm not talking about wrapped up presents in a nice little box. This is the one that many of us of a Pentecostal or charismatic variety of Christianity focus on and think of when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But as you can see from these previous seven points, and even the seven points from last week, that there's so much more to the Holy Spirit than just the power that He gives to us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. We looked at them last week. Let's look at them again in a little bit different light. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And these are, there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Just, just for a, a, a reminder, who works them? The the God, God does, yeah, the Holy Spirit. Thank you, very very good. I'm paying attention last week. But to each one is given, because we can interchange God, Holy Spirit, you know. Anyway, for, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, by the one spirit, uh, and, and, and to another the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. First of all, I want to remind us what we talked about last week, that uh, he is in control. The Holy Spirit is in control. The Holy Spirit is more than just the power of God in us. He is not some magical power that we get to wield around at our pleasure. The Holy Spirit decides who gets what gifts and when. He has a plan and purpose for you and you and you and you and you and me and everybody. And it's our duty to pray like Jesus prayed and say, not my will, but your will be done. Secondly, yes, these gifts and manifestations of outward power benefit us individually. Sure they do. I mean, who needs that supernatural faith that just goes beyond just, wow, you can believe just for amazing things. Every once in a while, we we need that sort of thing, right? And who needs, you know, to to have some greater knowledge, you know? You, You need to know, what do I do here? Wisdom, word of wisdom, right? They benefit us, but this, that is secondary to the edifying building up of others. In verse 7, it says, Each one is given the manifestation for the common good. It's not just for you. It's for your brother, the one sitting next to you, your sister sitting the one across the, hall, the room there. It's for them. It's, for, it's even for the world. These, these things, when we, when we use them, and I don't mean we have to go out there and, and be some crazy, flaky, you know, super spiritual person that like scares people. But you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, even in your workplace, and people don't have to go, oh, what in the world is that freak doing? But you can operate them, and it can touch them. Because remember, it's not just our fancy words, it's not our endless debates, but it's the power of God that brings. It's the power of God through the Holy Spirit that brings men to conviction, brings men to repentance, to salvation in Christ. All right, so one area to note in this list of gifts is the sometimes controversial gift of speaking in tongues, uh, is that real? Is it something that you need? In Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to go really fast here, folks. This is something we could talk about for a, long, a whole sermon on probably any one of these points, but this is one we could talk about for probably weeks. In Acts chapter 2, we see this Holy Spirit comes down, he baptizes them, and they begin speaking with tongues, right? Okay, everybody, everybody's familiar with the Pentecost thing, right? Then in Acts chapter 10, I'm just going to stop it. Don't even put it up there, guys. It says, when the Holy Spirit fell on those who were listening to the, Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on those who were listening to the message, and they were, they, they were the people, the other believers that were with Peter, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had poured out on these, these were Gentiles, these were not Jews, and they were amazed. Oh, my goodness, they're getting the Holy Spirit too. And it says, and they, they knew they were getting the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 46. Chapter 10, you can look it up later for yourselves. For they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. That's how they knew. Oh, my gosh. This, they, they got the Holy Spirit. Look at look, they're, But they're not Jews. Look at them. They're speaking in tongues. Huh? They knew this not because they, were, they saw tongues of fire like they saw in Acts. They said, for they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. So that's Acts chapter 10. Okay, so that's. Two examples, man, it's, it's, that's kind of obscure, Justin, you sure that's really for us? Okay, number three, Acts chapter 19, don't put it up there again, Paul goes to uh, Corinth and a guy named Apollos had gone there previously preaching, he preached repentance to these people, the, the Corinthians, he preached repentance to them, they repented, and he, he comes in and says, well, have you received the Holy Ghost Spirit since you believe?" and they said, no, what in the world is that? And they said, well, what have you been? To? He said, well, we got baptized with the baptism of John, repentance. He said, oh, you need to get baptized in, in the name of Jesus, and you need the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, sure, let's do this thing. And they got baptized in the water. They got baptized in the name of, this, in the name of Jesus. And it says, um, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In verse 6, it says, when, this is chapter 19, verse 6 of Acts. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on, came on them, and that was it, right? No, it says, and the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Folks, this is a normal thing. This is not a scary thing. It's, it's weird. I mean, I, I'm, I've been a Christian for <clears throat> a few years. Um, it's weird. No doubt. It's still weird. But why do we always have to have an answer, like a complete answer? We have to know everything why. Sometimes it's okay to have mystery. I mean, my goodness, the Bible is late. Even Paul talks about the fact that there's things that are mystery that we're just not going to even try to talk about. Because God is infinite, and we are not. Remember, God is greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Yeah, we can find a whole lot, even on this earth. Even before we enter into eternity, we can find out a lot. But there's so much that, folks, you're just not going to be able to explain it all. And this may be one of those things that you're just not going to be able to explain. There's more in this Bible that we can explain about, the, you know, speaking in tongues. But this is something that is just real. So, you know, get over any hang-ups about it. It's just it is, it is what it is. Do you see a pattern? Holy Spirit gets is baptizing these folks. We speak with tongues. It's there. Three times, just there. And there's other places too. We can see the whole, that the whole speaking in tongues thing is not just one time occurrence at the first baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. No, this phenomenon is a regular occurrence today. Remember I mentioned that. Acts, well, wow. Acts is a historical book, an example for us today. Not just a historical book. Oh, that's what happened then. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that happened then and it was done. Acts chapter 28. Sorry, folks. Anything you see in there? That means we can't. I need to shut up. I'm preaching. I mean, that happened in Acts chapter. It, no, come on. It's for today. It's an example of what can be if we want it, if we're willing, if we'll submit. Let's move on. He gives us fruit. And this is probably the most important. Now, this is one I wanted to leave us with. Um, he gives us fruit. Galatians chapter 5. Let's go ahead and look at it. I know we're going to go over a few minutes. You'll, you'll be patient. I, I won't make you. Bring your lunch. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Folks... Let's just go ahead and read it. 1 Corinthians 13, and then I'll make some comments. 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak with tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, he's talking about these gifts that he just talked about. Remember, we'd read... Corinthians twelve earlier, this is the following chapter. He says, And if I show us that I can remove mountains by my faith, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, but I have not love I have not love, it profits me nothing. Without the fruit of the Holy Spirit showing up in our lives, the gifts are of no value. The gifts are important, we need them. I mean, it, even Paul says, seek earnestly the best gifts. You know, in other words, when you find yourself in a situation, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, I, I don't know what to say to this. I don't know. What, this person is sick. They need healing. I need that gift flow through me right now. They need he, My goodness, their legs broke. They need help. So seek earnestly the best gifts. But if you're doing it so that you look cool, I, I don't remember looking cool being one of the Galatians. Galatians 5, let me... See if it's up there. No, it's not. It's not about looking cool. It's about love. It's about wanting to see joy in somebody else. It's about wanting to to exude compassion and the love of God. Without the fruit of the Spirit showing up in our lives, the gifts are of no value. They are annoying noise at best. I mean, that's Paul. That's not me. I'm paraphrasing my own phraseology, but he says, if I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong. Our clanging symbol It's annoying. But the fruit coupled with the gifts and all the other things that the Holy Spirit does in and through us can change us, can change the church, can change the world. I'm going to say that one more time because that's so important. The fruit of the Spirit, this ninth thing that I'm talking about this morning, the fruit of the Spirit coupled with His gifts, number eight, and even all the other seven things and even all the other things that He does that we haven't even touched on and mentioned this morning, all, the fruit of the Spirit coupled with those things. Wow. What can't be done? The world will change. We will change. Conclusion. These are just a few of the things that the Holy Spirit does. I hope that this brief theology of the Holy Spirit, in this theology of the brief theology of the Holy Spirit, you have a better understanding and appreciation of Him. I hope that it causes you to develop a deeper intimacy with and a greater reverence for God's spirit. Maybe this morning you realized, man, I, I'm just not seeing that fruit in my life. Not like I, I think it should, you know. Maybe I get a little too impatient too often. Who, who can say that? Maybe, I, I, maybe I, 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 I need to have a little bit more joy. I, I, you know, I, I'm not just talking about a forced smile on my face. I mean, sometimes we have to do that, you know, for good appearances. I'm talking about a real joy that we don't have to force the smile. It's just there. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you realize, Jesus, I've never experienced this baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. I, I, these gifts, man, that sounds amazing. I, I would love, I mean, I, I love people. I would love to be able to not just help them in my own strength, but I'd love to have the power of the Holy Spirit helping me help others. I want to pray with you this morning. I want you know pastors, the, the pastors to come up here. We, we want to pray for you. If, the, if that's you, you want to, to, to see these things. And, and go home. Let, let me sit, stop here before I you know, invite you to come down here to pray, be prayed for. Go home, even if we pray for you. The prayer down here, I'm going to say it. Like I said earlier, like Jesus said, what he did is not enough. You need the Holy Spirit. The prayer that you're going to receive down here is not enough. It's a step, one step. Go home. Study these things. Study out what the Holy Spirit, what the 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 Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. Get the notes, get the outline. I'll put them up. I promise. I'll put them up tonight. It may be late, but I'll put them up. By tomorrow morning you should be able to get them. Download them. Meditate on them. Read through them. Find other scriptures that I don't even mention in the notes. Find out what and if you see, wow, I don't have that one. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not in a place of hope. I need that hope. Ask God. These are promises. Ultimately, what I just listed, they're not just things that he does for us, for our good pleasure and our goodwill. He does them because they're promises. They're promises. This is God. If I promise you something, hopefully I will come through. If you promise me something, hopefully, and notice I'm saying it, hopefully you'll come through. I mean, a lot of you, I know I can count on you. Maybe even all of you. And hopefully you think you can count on me. But let me tell you, you know that you can count on God. If he said, I'm going to give you hope, he's going to give you hope. If he said he's going to give you power to be a witness for me, folks, he's going to give you the power to be a witness. You just have to ask. You just have to ask. And so we're going to pray. If you want a prayer, you can come down right now. You can stand if you want to. And if you do want prayer, you want that Holy Spirit in a fresh way. You want the Holy Spirit. Um, you've never experienced this. and You want the Holy Spirit for the first time. You want that Acts chapter 2 first experience sort of situation. Come down here and pray. We'll pray with you. But remember, go home. Go home and meditate. There's just so much that I didn't cover that I couldn't. I don't have time. I'm over time as it is. Folks, there's just so much more. Come on down if you want, to, if you want prayer this morning.